European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 40, Issue 39. Focus Issue, Endocarditis, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. Endocarditis, the Cinderella of Cardiology, is back. When in 1911 the famous composer Gustav Mahler acquired endocarditis on his mitral valve, damaged by rheumatic fever in his youth, there was no treatment available. Mahler died a few weeks after his first fever spells in New York upon arrival in Vienna. In spite of a marked reduction in rheumatic fever, endocarditis remains an important under-investigated cardiac condition with distinct risk factors for its occurrence, such as congenital heart disease, valve prosthesis, previous endocarditis amongst others. Its morbidity and mortality remains high due to septic embolization, paravalvular leaks, valve incompetence or destruction. The Euroendo Registry aimed to study its current management and outcomes, as reported in their fast track, Clinical Presentation, Etiology and Outcomes of Ineffective Endocarditis, Results of the ESC EORP Euroendo, the European Ineffective Endocarditis Registry, a prospective cohort study, by Gilbert Habid and colleagues from the Hôpital Timon in Marseille, France. This prospective cohort enrolled 3,116 adult patients admitted with diagnosis of ineffective endocarditis based on ESC 2015 diagnostic criteria. Endocarditis involved native in 56.6% and prosthetic valves in 30.1% and 9.9% were device-related. It was community-acquired in 65.66%. Microorganisms were staphylococci in 41%, oral streptococci in 12.3%, entrococci in 15.8%, and streptococcus gallolyticus in 6.6%. F-fluorodeoxoglucose positron emission tomography with computer tomography was performed in 16.6% and presented with cardiac uptake 43%, with better sensitivity in prosthetic valves 67%, in native valves 28%, and device-related endocarditis 16%. Embolic events occurred in 21% and were significantly associated with tricuspid or pulmonary endocarditis, presence of vegetation, and Staphylococcus aureus. According to ESC guidelines, cardiac surgery was indicated in 69.3%, but finally performed in only three-quarters of them. In-hospital death occurred in 17.1% and was more frequent in prosthetic valve endocarditis. Independent predictors of mortality were Charlson index, creatinine greater than 2 mg per deciliter, congestive heart failure, vegetation length greater than 10 mm, cerebral complication, abscess, and failure to undertake surgery when indicated. Thus, ineffective endocarditis is still a life-threatening disease with frequent lethal outcome, despite profound changes in its clinical, microbiological, imaging, and therapeutic profiles, a conclusion that is further discussed in an editorial by Jose Miro from the hospital clinic IDIBAPS, Barcelona, Spain. Increasing attention has been given to the risk of ineffective endocarditis in patients with certain bloodstream infections. In their article, Prevalence of Ineffective Endocarditis in Patients with Positive Blood Cultures, a Danish nationwide study, Lauger Clement Moltke Ustgaard and colleagues from the Riggs Hospitalet in Copenhagen, Denmark, aim to investigate the prevalence of ineffective endocarditis in bloodstream infections with bacteria typically associated with ineffective endocarditis. The authors identified patients to bloodstream infections typically associated with ineffective endocarditis. 
Out of 69,021 patients, those with Enterococcus faecalis had the highest prevalence of ineffective endocarditis, 16.7%, followed by Staphylococcus aureus, 10.1%, Streptococcus SPP, 7.3%, and coagulase negative Staphylococci, 1.6%. Throughout the study period, the prevalence of ineffective endocarditis among patients with Enterococcus faecalis and Streptococcus SPP increased significantly. Male patients had a higher prevalence of ineffective endocarditis with Enterococcus faecalis, Streptococcus SPP and coagulase negative Staphylococci compared with females. An increase in the prevalence of endocarditis was seen for Enterococcus faecalis, Streptococcus SPP and coagulase negative Staphylococci with increasing age. Thus, with Enterococcus faecalis bloodstream infection, one in six had ineffective endocarditis. For Staphylococcus aureus, one in 10, and for Streptococcus SPP, one in 14, suggesting that screening for ineffective endocarditis seems reasonable in patients with such bacteria in the bloodstream. These results are put into context in an editorial by Bernard Lung from the Bichard Hospital in Paris, France. The pathogenesis of endocarditis is not well understood, resulting in unsuccessful attempts at prevention. Clinical observations suggest that Staphylococcus aureus infects either damaged or inflamed heart valves. In their basic science article, Staphylococcus aureus endocarditis, distinct mechanisms of bacterial adhesion to damaged and inflamed heart valves, Peter Verham and colleagues from the University Hospitals in Leuven in Belgium studied the initial adhesion of Staphylococcus aureus in both risk states using a newly developed endocarditis mouse model. Both cardiac valve damage and inflammation predisposed to endocarditis, but by distinct mechanisms. Following valve damage, Staphylococcus aureus adhered directly to von Willebrand factor and fibrin deposited on the damaged valve. This was mediated by Sortes A-dependent adhesins such as von Willebrand factor binding protein and clumping factor A, while platelets did not contribute. In contrast, upon cardiac valve inflammation, widespread endothelial activation led to endothelial cell-bound von Willebrand factor release. This recruited large amounts of platelets, capturing Staphylococcus aureus to the valve surface. Here, neither fibrinogen nor sortes A were essential. Thus, cardiac valve damage and inflammation predisposed to Staphylococcus aureus endocarditis via distinct mechanisms. These findings may have important implications for the development of new preventative strategies, as some interventions might be effective in one risk state, but not in others, a conclusion that is further discussed in an editorial by Zarelda Esquegarijos from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, USA. Transcatheter aortic valve implantation, or TAVI, now a common procedure to treat high-risk patients with severe aortic stenosis, has rapidly been expanding into younger and lower-risk populations creating a need to better understand long-term outcome after TAVI. Endocarditis has been described also in this patient group, but its true incidence is unknown. In their fast track, ineffective endocarditis after transcatheter aortic valve implantation, a nationwide study, Henrik Björsten and colleagues from the Lunds Universitet in Sweden sought to determine the incidence, risk factors for, presentation of, and outcome after prosthetic valve endocarditis in 4,340 patients treated with TAVI. The risk for prosthetic valve endocarditis after TAVI was 1.4% the first year and 0.8% per year thereafter. 
One-year survival after prosthetic valve endocarditis diagnosis was 58%, and five-year survival was 29%. Body surface area, estimated glomerular filtration rate less than 30 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters square, critical preoperative state, mean pre-procedural valve gradient, amount of contrast dye used, transapical access, and atrial fibrillation were identified as independent risk factors for prosthetic valve endocarditis. Staphylococcus aureus was more common in early, less than one year, prosthetic valve endocarditis, which was associated with root abscess late prosthetic valve endocarditis. Furthermore, community acquisition was associated with higher six-month mortality. Thus, the incidence of prosthetic valve endocarditis is similar to that of surgical bioprosthesis. Compromised renal function was a strong risk factor for developing prosthetic valve endocarditis. In the context of prosthetic valve endocarditis, TAVI seemed to be the safe option for patients. These results are further discussed in a thoughtful editorial by Jose Samorano from Madrid, Spain. This issue is complemented by two discussion forum contributions. In a contribution entitled, Childhood Infection May Mediate the Relationship Between Suboptimal Interuterine Growth, Preterm Birth and Adult Cardiovascular Disease, Sirun Beckering and colleagues from the Radboud University Medical Center in Nijmegen, Netherlands, comment on the recently published clinical review entitled, Mechanisms Linking Preterm Birth to Onset Cardiovascular Disease Later in Adulthood, by Jawahar Mehta from the University of Arkansas in Little Rock, Arizona and colleagues. Meta et al. respond to Beckering and colleagues in a separate response. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its readers.